Blog Talk Radio. Longhorn Nation, welcome to another Wednesday edition of the Orange Report with Mike and Matt, and boy, what a week it's been, what a two weeks it's been. Last Tuesday, it was the hammer dropped on Watson, Sean Watson, the play caller, and this week, the hammer drops on Athletic Director Steve Patterson. Um, boy, the, the 40 Acres Belmont is, is, is on fire, I can say that, but I think I think we're going to see some settling here. I think the president is obviously in charge, Fendus. Um, it's kind of ironic that his um, official inauguration is this Thursday, so I guess he didn't want to kick off his um, full term um, dealing with Patterson, so he pulled the plug on him. We've got lots of details about that we're going to get into. And then obviously we're going to regrind cap the rice game, talk about Norval, talk about Hurd. So I don't think we're going to have any problem, Matt, filling up an hour of full talk because there are plenty of topics. And then obviously in just a couple days, um, the game that that I've had circled um, since the summer and obviously with us not being as good as I hope we are, I I think this is really a tipping point game for us. So we're definitely going to get into the Cal game. I've got Alex Gimix coming on in just a few minutes, in about four minutes actually, um, from um, Golden CaliforniaGoldenBears.com, the SB Nation site that covers um, the California Bears. He's going to come on, and we'll talk about them. So a lot to discuss, Matt. How's it going tonight up in Fort Worth? It's going well. It's just another boring week on the 40 acres. Nothing really of importance to talk about, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, just, I, I'm anticipating next Tuesday when nothing happens, <laughs> we'll, we'll be surprised because every Tuesday there seems to be um, – uh, major major news going down. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else could, you know major could happen. I better not say that too loud because then all of a sudden something will happen. But I, I think, um, and you know, I don't want to get into it too lengthy because Alex will be on here in a minute. But I do think we're going to have some, some further dismissals in the athletic department um, based on different reports I've read. Um, I, I won't, wouldn't be surprised if. Um, Polunsky is, is, is asked to leave or reassigned at some point because apparently she had buddied up with, with Patterson quite well and, 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 you know, and was probably protecting herself. But within doing so, apparently she has really burned some bridges. So I, I'm, I'm hearing that, that her days may be numbered and a few others. So um, I did listen to the Mike Perrine, the interim AD's um, press conference today. I'm highly impressed with him. I, I think he's going to bring some stability uh, I like what he said. I, I think he's going to – I like that he said he's going to reach out to the Texas X's. He's going to reach out to Longhorn Foundation members, just general fans of the university. Um, I think that's great because, you know, a lot of them do feel alienated. And I know people from the outside are looking, well, it's just um, entitled, you know, Texas fans that need to be coddled. Um, this thing with Patterson was much bigger than that. I mean, you go to any major university in any town um, – Alums, people want to to feel respected. I mean, you know, and, and one of you know, Patterson had basically distanced himself. Um, I've talked to enough people in the Texas X's 
um, on the board and this and that, that he basically wouldn't, you know, answer invitations, just didn't want no part of being a part of that in the public eye. And, you know, you're the athletic director and, and the exes and are, are supporting this university and, and giving scholarships and doing these things. You just can't do that. And then obviously the, the rubbing, you know, uh, 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 the wrong of uh, obviously people that got name on their buildings, you know, you know, when people say, well, again, it's just Texas arrogant, I can assure you, Alabama, Florida State, Auburn, LA, you name anybody, people that have names on their buildings uh, need to be called. And it has stayed at Texas. A&M called, Texas A&M just didn't build this big old $800 million new facility and all that new stuff by their big donors not being called. It happens everywhere. Um, so this is not something unique to the University of Texas. So we're going to we're going to get again into all of that. Um, like I said, there's a lot to discuss. Uh, give you a few recruiting updates. Um, one thing I did just find out in the last 20, 30 minutes or so, Corn uh, Digest is reporting. I always like to give credit is that Malik Jefferson did not practice today. Now, nobody fall out. Um, he does have a minor uh, illness, but apparently he's expected back to um, at practice tomorrow and, and, and he's expected to be a full goal. Um, by Saturday, but I guess it's a little under the weather, um, you know, or, you know, so he didn't practice today. So when he wasn't there, uh, the rumors started, you know, flying out, and obviously the good people over at Horns Digest killed all those rumors and just said, hey, you know, he's out sick. So um, everybody slow down there. I mean, it is concerning when, when you know, he is the leader of the defense now. But without further ado, um, joining us right now on the Orange Report, Again, it's Alex Guinness. He covers the California Bears, the Cal Bears, for the SB Nation site, Golden Bears, um, calgoldenbears.com. Alex, welcome to the Orange Report with Mike and Matt. How's it going in California tonight? Uh, it's going all right. We just got our first rain of the season, which uh, we need pretty badly. So. Well, you know, um, let me just jump right into it. Uh, you know, I don't, you know, I was just saying right before you came on, um, and, and, and I've kind of had this game circled uh, on, on our schedule, I mean, really since the summer. I mean, obviously we went up to Notre Dame. It was a big game, you know, you know, two traditional powers, you know, two big schools. But I knew us was probably going to play 15, 18 freshmen. Uh, you know, I expected a loss. I didn't expect us to look as bad as we did. And I kind of felt by game three – we would maybe start hitting our groove a little bit and improve. And I always thought if we were going to get at least bowl eligible and start to turn the corner, everybody, that my Longhorns needed to get a win against Cal. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. We're going to get in that in, in a second. But I guess what is the thought from, from Cal's fan base, um, you know, what you're hearing? Are they excited about the trip even though we're down? What's the general pulse of the Cal um, fan base on playing Texas this weekend? Well, we're excited and actually uh... – uh, I know some people that are going out there uh, uh, to Austin and, first of all, just excited to be in Austin because everybody knows that it's really a great town, that uh, your stadium really gets rolling, and people are excited to be at the game. But, uh, you know, I, we, we recognize that Texas is a really storied program with some great athletes, so you're always on top of recruiting. Uh, a couple of years ago, we were – in a similar situation to where you're at right now, where we were playing a whole lot of freshmen. Um, and this year, we're, uh, especially on offense, we got a lot of juniors and seniors. We're a more experienced team. Um, it's year three in uh, the Sunny Dykes uh, system, which uh, builds 
out of the air raid, but incorporates a little more of a running game. Um, and our defense has really started coming together this year. So I think in terms of the fan base, we're coming into this uh, pretty confident um, and uh, with the caveat that uh, every time we get our hopes up in the past, uh, uh, you know, it, uh, uh, Lady Luck comes back and gets us. So, uh, you know, we're I, I think we're a little bit cautious, uh, cautiously optimistic is what I'd say. Well, yeah, and you know, obviously, I haven't haven't seen any of your entire games. I, I did kind of score the you know the internet today and found some you know some highlights on YouTube. Obviously, seen some highlights on various um, sports shows, and obviously, with the quick strike offense, it all starts with the quarterback Jared Goff. And you know, I, I think uh, you know I, his arm strength. I mean, I think he's the real deal. Um, I think y'all better enjoy him this year because I, I doubt very seriously he comes back. I think he may be very well. You know, Cardell James, obviously, from Ohio State. Ohio State's going to be in the conversation. But uh, but I think golf very well could be the first quarterback off the board. Um, tell us about him. Uh, he, uh, you know, he came in and played as a true junior. Uh, sorry, a true freshman uh, his first year. Um, and uh, we, oh, gosh, it was like 15 touchdowns and 18 interceptions. Uh, he, uh, his numbers weren't great, but it seemed like, uh, number one is pocket presence. Number two is decision-making. Um, everything really started coming together by the end of the season. Um, and uh, he's really grown uh, into his own position. Uh, he's a true junior right now. A lot of people are talking about him definitely as a first-round pick. He's uh, in the Heisman conversation. Uh, some people are uh, looking at him as the first QB off the board. And you were talking about arm strength. I think um, – uh, you know, he's got uh, several phases of the game really down. So number one um, is decision-making. Uh, he was 35 touchdowns with seven interceptions last year. Um, and uh, uh, this year his ratio um, is also in his favor. Uh, so decision-making, uh, uh, arm strength, uh, yes, that's there. Um, accuracy has really grown in this on point. And I think that uh, one of the things that he's really improved on recently is going through his progressions. And uh, we've got a lot of weapons in terms of the wide receiver core, uh, again, a lot of juniors and seniors, and they've been working together for three years, and they kind of have uh, – coaches have talked about their communication and him being able to go through his reads if somebody's covered on the front end, just checking down and identifying what the defense is going to give him. Uh, just this past game – he had a 75-yard touchdown, which was right the uh, the first play right off the, uh, uh, the beginning of the second half. When we were sitting at 7-14, and 14, and we were a little bit worried. And he saw uh, pre-snap uh, what the defense was giving him and caught everybody off guard. Actually, uh, he's calling, calling change of the plays at the line right now, which is something he wasn't able to do. Um, so we're, we're really excited about him. He's a fantastic QB, and... Uh, just a few yards off and uh, a few other numbers off from breaking uh, uh, pretty much every record in the California QB um, uh, history, and that's uh, for three years in the system. Yeah, Matt, go ahead and jump in. Sure. Um, you know, I guess uh, with Sonny Dykes coming back to Texas, uh, seeing a member of the Dykes family roaming the sideline, will bring back a lot of memories for a lot of us uh, Longhorn fans. 
that have been around a while. Uh, obviously, the son of uh, son or Spike Dykes, who used to give Texas fits. Uh, <laughs> definitely, when he was at Texas Tech, he was one of those guys that. Uh, no matter what the records were, especially if you're making a trip out to Lubbock, uh, you never knew. He always had his team ready. You never knew what might happen. So just uh, maybe tell the Texas fans a little bit about, uh, you know, what your thoughts on, on what Sonny Dykes is doing uh, so far. I think he's in his third year now. Thoughts on him and, and where he's got the program headed and uh, what what we should see from, uh, you know, we know he's an offensive-minded guy, but it looks like the defense is making strides. So some of the, some of the stuff he's doing on defense to try to uh, – get you guys ready to compete in the Pac-12. Yeah, um, you know, he, uh, uh, Sonny uh, inherited uh, quite a, a, a troubled program uh, in terms of uh, kind of our, our um, uh, how things were going with this overall program we management. Can... We were having, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, we, we, uh, we can relate to that. Mac Brown left us in, in real good shape, too. Ha ha. You go ahead. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and it's great. I think with Brown, and uh, we had Jeff Tenford um, earlier that they had the programs really on the top of the game, um, and then there was a, uh, a slow decline. Um, and Tenford went from, uh, uh, in terms of regular season, one loss. Uh, for example, in 2004, to all of a sudden three and nine, um, with uh, guys in academic trouble and leaving the program and um, whatever else it was at the end of his year. And Sonny came in um, and uh, played a ton of freshmen. We were actually the youngest, most injured team in the country um, at the end of 2013. Uh, saw that stat and uh, came in playing the true freshman QB. Our first year, we went one and eleven. Um, and I think a lot of people were unhappy with the hire, but uh, the folks that, uh, like myself and some of the other guys that got in touch with you, that followed um, uh, the – sorry, I'm at the gym, so I got some background noise. But um, that followed uh, uh, what was really going down on the ground, realized how much he was dealing with. Uh, last year, he uh, we brought in – defensive coordinator, um, Art Kaufman, who came from Cincinnati and had just a killer defense over there. Um, and uh, he took over on the defense, started really building guys into that system. Um, Sonny uh, uh, stepped back from being kind of a, an offensive manager and handed a lot over uh, to Franklin, who is the offensive coordinator who worked with him um, when he was down at Louisiana Tech and kind of helped refine uh, more of a balanced air raid offense. Everybody is really excited about the turnaround that's happened, um, program management, uh, the way that um, I think players have uh, gotten things together just outside of the football field. Uh, so the fan base is, is excited, and I think people have seen that it took a couple of years for him to turn things around, but, but everything's looking up. Yeah, you know, when I was, when I, you know, the footage I've seen, and then obviously from some games last year, I guess an area that, you know, that Texas fans and me, you know, um, feel that, you know, if we're going to keep the game competitive, I, I do think even though our, our offense has struggled, I think we're starting to find some things with our new quarterback, Gerard Hurd, uh, is I think we we'll, we might be able to find some things on defense, because I do think y'all's defense is still an area of a little bit of concern. So 
So how do you think the Cal defense, um, knowing now with Hurd, obviously showed a little bit last week that if he gets out of the pocket, um, he can do some damage. Obviously, his arm is still in development. How do, how do you think the defense will, will, will try to slow him down? Yeah, you know, we um, – well, uh, number one, we haven't really seen a mobile quarterback. Um, uh, our first game was Grambling State, uh, which was um, uh, an FCS school. Uh, on Saturday, we played San Diego State, and San Diego State um, was a uh, uh, very – run-heavy pro-style offense. So they had like an 1,800-yard rusher from last year who's looking like uh, he's going to be uh, on some NFL draft boards. So we haven't seen a mobile quarterback. We run a zone defense before three zone defense, um, and uh, they're bringing in um, a little bit of five defensive backs. We've got, got um, uh, a nickel back um, on, the, uh, on, on the depth chart. One of the things about the defense is, uh, no, or in, in 2013, it was pretty horrendous. Um, last year, uh, the staffs were uh, likewise uh, really not good. Uh, we gave up the most, pretty much the most passing yards in the country, uh, but we were also um, playing uh, a lot of walk-on uh, injury bug hitters. We were playing a lot of walk-on. Um, uh, uh, defensive backs, and some of them were uh, walk-on wide receivers that converted over to defensive backs. So um, uh, all of a sudden this year, number one, we brought in a lot of JT transfers. Um, there's a couple of guys um, that are transfers from uh, other D1 programs. Um, and uh, it's the second year in Art Kaufman's system. I'm not going to say uh, that this is a – uh, uh, phenomenal Alabama defense or anything like that, but um, uh, we've seen that with the way that our offense is clicking, that what we need um, on defense is is just decent defense to keep us in things. Uh, so far, we've had six interceptions um, over the course of the season. Um, again, FCS school, we had two of them and one of them uh, sorry, we had uh, four of them, and then two of them were a pick six. Uh, so what we're figuring out is we brought in some uh, uh, stronger guys on the defensive line um, that are uh, getting pressure on the quarterback, which isn't something that we had last year. And then uh, the defensive backs are getting coached a little bit better to identify um, uh, what's in front of them. I know I'm painting a pretty rosy picture for you guys, but everybody is all of a sudden – over here, kind of blown away that the defense is at least decent and creating a little bit of havoc. Um, so, for example, our, our sacks leader right now is a cornerback, uh, so we're running some more blitzes and, and corner blitzes and things like that. Um, but our stats have really turned the corner, which is great. Well, you know, in a name that y'all have, I think y'all, you know, you got most of your linebackers back from last year. You know, I, I know one of them was coming back from injury. But it, um, but a name that a, that a lot of people know who you know who watch football. Obviously, you got Hardy Nickerson Jr., um, who is the son of the ex NFL player Hardy Nickerson. So obviously, you've got some good bloodlines um, there in the program. Um, so you know, that was just you know something I would throw out there when I was reading y'all's um, um, program guide. I saw that name, and so I said, I wonder if he's related. And lo and behold, obviously. Um, he was. Well, let me put you on the spot a little bit. And, you know, I always tell my guests, don't sugarcoat it just to make us feel good. Um, yeah. Give me your score prediction. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, 
Well, I hope we beat this uh, six-point spread, but that's a whole different story. Um, <laughs> no, uh, um, you know, I think um, uh, I, I, actually I wanted to say in terms of your quarterback, uh, we have run some three-three-five, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we run that a little bit more um, in order to, uh, um, to uh, 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 keep him in front of us and kind of hold him up. Um, uh, because mobile quarterbacks, we haven't seen any this year. Um, I know that your QB is really impressive, even as, as a redshirt freshman. So um, we're excited to see how that works. I, I, we do respect uh, your program and the mobility of your quarterback. Um, for me, um, uh, score prediction, um, I would say, uh, let's see, what am I going to throw out there? Um, I will say uh, uh, 27 to 37. How about that? I think that's fair. Yeah, I saw I was on um I was on the um Cal Bear um scout site earlier today just kind of looking and reading some bill and and I guess the the guy that covers the Cal Bears, he had it like at forty two twenty seven. So yeah, you're you're right in there where a, a lot of people are, are, are predicting. And me and Matt usually give ours at the end of the end of the game, but but Alex, we really do appreciate you coming on. Um I will say this, um if you have any, if you have any friends or know anybody that um, that is coming, tell them to tweet at me or uh, me or my co-host Matt. We'll be glad to answer any questions about Austin, places to eat, things to do, and obviously if they're out at the um, out at the um, out at the um, parking lots early, um, have them tweet at us and look it up. They're more than welcome to come by our tailgate. Um, we always pride ourselves in how well we treat um, opposing fan bases when they come to Austin. We, you know, yeah, we all talk trash and have fun, but you know, we also, you know, you know, we also like to have fun and, you know, because we, we do road trips too. So we have to be, you know, treated well on the road. And I can tell you right now, me and Matt, um, are already planning on going to, um, uh, out to Cal next year. Um, my co-host here is a big San Francisco Giants fan. So obviously we found out a few days ago the Giants actually play, um, the, that Friday. So we're going to make a whole good weekend trip of it. Oh, that's great. Um, and you know what? I think uh, uh, I was following our little Q&A that we're going to throw out uh, to you guys, and uh, there have been more than a few questions about food and good places to go, and I know that, uh, Austin, you've got a great music scene, so uh, hopefully guys are also looking to, um, and gals are looking forward to seeing what the town has to offer and, and appreciate your hospitality. And uh, we'll we'll be happy to show you all of the same when you come out to Berkeley next year. Well, cool. Yeah, I, I would say just a couple things right off my the top of my head. Obviously, um, the, the barbecue in Austin, it, it, there's nothing like it. Uh, I mean, you can Google any of the top bar. Franklin's, um, La Barbecue, Mueller's, Style Switch. I mean, I would definitely hit one of the well-known barbecue places if they come in on early on Friday. Uh, any of those places would be good. Obviously, the 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 sixth street scene on Friday and Saturday night is going to be awesome. They they're going to you know mark off the street, so you definitely want to go downtown and and hit the sixth street area. Uh, there's an area called the Warehouse District that has a lot of great places. Uh, just about any place in Austin on on game day weekend, um, people are going to have fun. Matt, do you have any good suggestions? Definitely barbecue. Uh, yeah, either get it in line early at Franklin, or if you sleep in, had too much fun on Thursday night or flew in uh, late on Friday, then some of those other places, uh, you don't have to wait in quite the same line, but uh, it's just as, I mean, not just as good, but uh, it'll be an excellent experience. And then, yeah, uh, the good thing about Austin is uh, to some of us now that have moved away from Austin, it gets a little bit irritating 
but people from Austin love Austin. And if you uh, are wearing your Cal shirt and you want recommendations, pretty much anybody you ask is going to be able to give you a lot of stuff uh, really based on, you know, what you're into and that kind of thing. So I would encourage the Cal fans to just, you know, be friendly and ask around and you'll get all kinds of different uh, feedback from, from the locals that are in town. Hey, uh, well, appreciate it. And I wish I was out there because also – I know that the energy of your stadium is something that is famous for. So uh, outside of the game and inside of the game, uh, everybody's excited. And, and yeah, thank you. So, well, Alex, good luck. No, go go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Obviously, I'm I'm crossing fingers for a win, but uh, also excited about a good game and hope that it's a good one. Absolutely. Before you go, go ahead and um, tell my listeners where if they want, you know, have any follow-up questions, they can find you on Twitter or um, the site that um, that you're you're with over there, SB Nation. Uh, yeah, it's um, CaliforniaGoldenBlogs.com uh, is probably uh, the best one to go for, or at uh, GoldenBlogs uh, over on Twitter. Uh, but uh, we've had some Texas fans come on over to CGB. Um, to our blog before, and uh, uh, guys are uh, doing our best to be uh, responsive to your questions and happy to answer any of them. Well, man, I appreciate it, and uh, we'll definitely um, talk to you again, and um, um, just again tell all the Cal um, Cal fans to have a great time out in Austin. So we appreciate it. All right. Well, take care, guys, and thanks for having me on. Mm -hmm. All right, that's Alex Guinness from, as he said, calgoldenbearblogs.com. So check them out. I went over there um, yesterday and today and, and read a few of their stories. Um, they've got some pretty good writers over there, some um, pretty good stuff. They break down the game. Um, so, um, again, we thank him. And uh, another good guest um, that's coming on. I think our streak is, is is continuing, Matt. Absolutely. That's good stuff. Um you, you know how to tick them, Mike. I don't know how you do it, but you always got good feedback from all of our visitors, and that's even more fun. You know, we know most of the usual suspects in the Big 12. Now we've done this show for enough years that, you know, we get the same folks that are all really good, but it's kind of fun to – I mean, it's the fun part of non-conference football when you play teams with an actual pulse um, that you get to find out a little bit about different program. And I'm looking forward to it, man. First time to ever see Cal in person, so uh, I'll check that one off the list. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, no. Next year it'll be fun. We have Notre Dame coming to Austin, and we get to go out there. So I, I will say this: whoever, you know, uh, I guess it would have been, you know, I guess it would have been Dodds because these games have been set up for a while. I mean, good job scheduling um, some some good outer conference opponents. Unlike unlike Baylor and a few others, um, you know, we're not scared. To, even though we're not very good, we're stepping out there and and playing real football teams. So um, it, it, it's exciting for sure. Well, let me let's talk about you know, Mike, Mike just real quick. quick on yeah, go real, ahead. Real quick, Mike, on that point. I mean, that's that's exactly my thing about scheduling. Is you know, Cal. Maybe when we scheduled this, I mean, I don't I don't remember when this went on the calendar. It might have actually been, you know, around the Aaron Rodgers time when those guys had a pretty salty team. But you know, this is where I just think some of these programs have no excuse. I mean, you schedule a team like Cal. They're always going to be a decent team. They're obviously Power Five conference. You know, yeah, you might get burned a little bit where they might be up when you're down or whatever, but I just think for the fans and for everybody else, that's that's the way to go. I mean, there's lots of Power 5 schools. You don't necessarily have to play, you know, Alabama, Oregon, and, and Ohio State for your three non-conference games, but 
there's plenty of good candidates out there uh, in the Power Five schools, and we need more of that. Hey, don't don't hate. A and M scheduled Prairie View A and M two years in a row coming up in a couple of years. Don't hate. That's that's going to be that's going to be a big time matchup between the fellow A um, and M school. So, man, that's that's pretty weak for sure. Good lord. Well, I just had a couple quick points, and then we'll close the the, the Rice game out. Um, but I mean, obviously, the the defense had some work to do. The defensive line wasn't getting pushed. But I, I will say this, and I, and, I, and, I'm, and I know people are going to think, well, you're just saying this. But I mean, this is not our. This is not my grandfather's um, um, uh, rice. This team, um, um, the coach there is doing a pretty good job. They're they're going to beat quite a few people. They've gone to a bowl game the last few years. Um, you know, they they've improved their play. They're bigger. Um, you know. So I'm going to give Rice some credit that they had a good game plan, and obviously some of our young freshmen are just not as physical yet as we want them to be. But I, I, so with that said, uh, you know I just want to give Rice credit. Now, as we as as we get going, Ridgeway and 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 Puna Ford and and, and Anderson and, and and Nelson and the, the defensive linemen have got to step up their play. We've got to get better push. Um, I was really watching, um, you know, the linebackers, and the linebackers made a lot of plays, but, I mean, they were having to fight off a lot of guards and, and a lot of things. So we've got some work to do there. But, again, even when I saw that, I saw Malik Jefferson, Chris Boyd, Freeman, Wheeler, the young guys are just, just going, you know, full speed trying to rip somebody's head off. So as long as they continue that mentality, uh, I I really believe we're headed in the right direction. Now I want to get to Gerard Hurd. Uh, it didn't take me but about two plays to realize, and I, I, I don't, I've been thinking all week how he's going to approach this, but um, because, I mean, Watson's been demoted. Wickline's been demoted. You know, I don't know how much he was really involved calling plays. Uh, and, and, I, and I have to say this, is even though I think if Strong gets another recruiting class uh, in 2016 like we did 15, uh, we're going to have a good – 45 or 50 base players to really go to war with in 2016. But but I have to tell you, uh, I, I mean, unless Hurd looked like uh, looked like maybe me out there in practice playing quarterback, I, I just don't see how in the world they ever thought that that Swoops was going to be the guy. I mean, I just I mean Hurd. It was just so much more poise. He's an alpha male. He was cocky out there. Hell, he ran for 50 and did push-ups. You could just see the step in the warm-ups, the way that he was cutting up. He reminded me of Vince Young out there bouncing around, the offensive line. Where he just he has that it factor. Now, does that mean he's going to be a great quarterback? He's still young. I don't know, but I saw a lot of signs, and I feel confident that we're, we're, we're going to be in, in, in good hands Um uh, you know, I, I just don't know what they were looking at. Was was Watson sabotaging this thing? Does he just not like Hurd? Was Hurd just that horrible? Was he lazy? He didn't practice hard, and the coach. I, I mean, I just can't put my finger on it because from what I saw, Sloop shouldn't have been in the conversation for starting. So I, I just wish I could have seen practice or, or or find out more because it just doesn't add up. I mean, I, I, I mean, it, there, there's something has went awry, and and my concern is. That, are there other players that we're going to miss or, or, or something that, that, that should be playing that we're not? I mean, I just don't know how we missed that is what I'm saying. Matt. I don't want my thoughts on that because, for me, it was plainly obviously heard is way ahead. 
I, I think it comes down to this. I think, unfortunately, I mean, I, it's frustrating what I'm about to say, but I can see the reason behind it. These are two different, completely different kinds of quarterbacks, and we, you know, when heard when after the after Watson was demoted, you know, we talked about putting in Norvell as the play caller, and and there was more discussion mm-hmm. about spread, you know, more of a spread offense, and there was discussion of spread offense during the off season, but I really think it was just pure lip service because I think what happened was heard is a complete unknown quantity, right? If you mm-hmm. install a spread offense and herd can't do it in spring practice and summer ball, now you've got Tyrone Swoops running the spread, which is an unmitigated disaster. And so what do you do? Do you stay with the, what, the offense that you ran last year with the quarterback that played all last year? I don't think Hurd can play in Swoops' like in a pro-style offense. He's got to be in that spread them out, open up the running lanes, you know, a little bit of loosey-goosey football is what he's got to play, at least right now. So I think what it came down to really, and I think that's why now it's starting to make a little more sense why Watson was demoted right away, is that Watson's not a spread guy. He's a pro-style offense guy. He stayed with swoops because to to not stay with swoops means you're overhauling the offense, and you're overhauling the offense to put it in the hands of a kid that hasn't seen the field before. And there's a humongous risk to that, right? So because they're do they're not doing it this week, they're doing it back in April. Uh, so I think that's what it came down to, and I'm, I have no idea, I have no inside sources, but I'm I'm supposing that there was probably some debate about that whether you just turn the keys over to Herd and just roll the dice and live or die with a brand new offense that only really Herd can run, or do you stay with what you've got and and go with Swoops? I think Watson convinced strong and convinced everybody else that Swoops had made enough development that they could stay in this path. And then it was clear in game one that this is not going to work. I think Strong looked at it and said, I'm going to run this offense with swoops. I mean, it's it's another huge risk, but my only choice right now is to just throw everything away that we did during the offseason, put Hurd in, start off simple as hell, uh, and then try to build off of it if Hurd can can be the man. Because you can always go back, right? If Hurd now, you've got swoops that's played all offseason and, you know, he's got a year under his belt. If you put Hurd in now... And uh, you know it doesn't really work out, or God forbid he gets hurt. You know you can always go back, and I, I, that's what I'm feeling like now. It was I don't think that it was purely like player. Uh, I, I don't think it was purely player evaluation. I think that they had the the, the Watson offense in. Hurt looked like crap in a Watson offense, which is what he would do. I I totally believe that, and they realized our only choice now is let's just start from ground zero. Uh, we were already starting, you know, a million freshmen anyway. The season is basically building towards 2016 and 2017. So why stay conservative on offense and run something that isn't going to put up more than 17.8? If you you basically your 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 thought is that it really wasn't player performance driven. It was more of the a factor of the offense and the scheme and experience. Yeah, and you've seen that you know in other teams and in the NFL, right, where you've got a a pocket passer and you got a mobile backup. Well, it doesn't make any sense because you got to pick one or the other. You can't plug one guy into one system and vice versa. You know, if you've got, uh, you know, Peyton Manning starting and you've got Michael Vick backing up, you know, you're not going to run Peyton Manning out there in some kind of zone read, heavy quarterback run offense. You've got to pick the offense first and put the guy in. I mean, look, hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, after seeing one game, I'm not saying Hurd's going to win a Heisman, but I agree with you 100%. The one thing I think they really missed on is just that pure energy. I think that the 
you know, they interviewed the players during the offseason. Nobody's going to say anything, you know, bad about Swoops because he's, for all we can tell, he's a really nice guy. He's a good guy, and I think the team likes him. So nobody's going to go to the media and say, yeah, this guy, just nobody nobody gets fired up. He doesn't, doesn't bring any fire to the huddle. They're just not going to, I mean, I'd be more concerned if they did throw their teammate under the bus to the media. Uh, but we heard, you know, a lot of good things about Swoops. But I think once you saw Hurd out there, you realize, I mean, I felt like there was more energy on the entire, both sides of the ball. I think they felt like, okay, now we can start to play. Now we got the, now we got our guy in there. And they weren't going to admit that publicly, but I think that just based on body language of the team, I think they felt a lot more relaxed with Hurd in there. And I love the freaking, you know, drop down and do push-ups because, you know, this is a young team, man. They're going to, you know, they're going to have their bumps along the road. And what you've got to have, whether it's, you know, based in any kind of realism or not, you got a guy. You got to have a guy that just doesn't give a damn and is confident, uh, even if he takes a beating. And there, there will be beatings to come down the road. Uh, but I, I think he brings that kind of energy and confidence that'll help some of these other young players kind of grow up. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, we saw it on that first series to where you know, you know, the, you know, had a little time to throw, nobody was open, and the pocket broke down. He takes a step to the right. Cuts up in there, and it, you know it looks like it's going to be a twenty-yard gain, and then he, you know, turns on the burners. Next thing you know, it's, it's you know, it's a fifty-five-yard gain. You know, yeah, we, you know, had a holding downfield that brought it back, but I mean, that's the thing. He gets out of the pocket um, and, and gets moving full steam ahead. A, a ten-yard gain now could potentially become a seventy-five-yard touchdown run, and that's you just did not have that threat with swoops, and now defenses have to account for that. So they can't. They just can't man up on a receiver and run with them 50 yards down the field because then they're going to look up and swoop. I mean, and Hurd is going to be running by for a touchdown. So they're going to come up and support the run, and then now the receiver's open. And we saw that where he kind of, you know, we play fake. They kind of stepped up, and then with John Burt with sprinter speed on the outside, now boom, 69-yard touchdown pass. So uh, I think you're going to see us open. It's going to open up the offense just just the threat of him being able to run because he is he is a serious threat now. He turns the corner. I mean, you might you might be you know getting the ball from him um, in the end zone. So I mean, it, it's exciting. Like you said, he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to you know he's probably going to you know make some bad reads. I saw a couple plays uh, that he gave the ball to Gray on the zone read. Um, that he if he would have kept it, he would have busted an eighty yarder because everybody crashed down. And we're going to see him make some moves like that. But this week he may not give it to Gray, and he's going to turn that corner on the zone read, and, and he's going to be gone. So. It just adds a new dynamic. But you're right. I agree with your point wholeheartedly. There was just a different energy um, and confidence out there. And I don't know, if, is it because they really believe in him or just his energy, they were feeding off it. But um, uh, I think that's a positive sign for the team going forward because, um, again, this, this, you know, obviously we got Oklahoma State coming up, and then it gets tough. TCU, Oklahoma, um, it's, you know, I mean, you know, we don't win this week. I mean, we're, we're looking at two and four. So, I mean, if we can somehow figure out a way to beat Cal, get a little momentum, get Oklahoma State, now you're sitting there at three and one. You know, you go up to TCU, you know, a top two team. We're not ready to compete with them. You know, you go up there and maybe get lucky and get some turnovers and get a win. But you assume you lose that, then you're at, you know, you're at three and two. Then you go into Oklahoma. I'm still not sold on Oklahoma, even though they came back against Tennessee just handled Somehow we beat our rival. Now you're sitting at four and two and starting to starting to turn the corner a little bit. So this is just a this is just a huge game for the season, in in, in my opinion. And I think the and team Mike, will be right. One play. thing, so, go one ahead. thing, real quick is you know about going back to herd too is 
look, let's all be real. I mean, this season is about figuring out what we've got. We're returning the yeah. corner in that regardless of the records, we've got a lot of young guys in there. They're getting wonderful experience. I mean, you see the initial guys, like the guys we expected to be studs or studs, Malik and Boyd. Now what you're looking for is the next wave of studs, the guys that are taking a little longer because they're maybe not as good, they're not as naturally gifted as those guys who are just, you know, those were slam dunk recruits. Now you need that next wave to grow up. But, you know, the thing is about putting herd in is you cannot leave any bullets, you know, in the you know, in the clip this season because you can't go into next year with some mysteries. You got nothing to lose this season. I mean, we even before the season started, I mean, eight and four would probably have been a, a big success and, and would have been a sign of turning the corner. Well, if that's the case, I mean, I'm all, I'm willing to trade a couple of losses if it means that we're going to find out what Herd's all about or, you know, hopefully develop him to where he's actually a force next year. I think with the worst-case scenario for Texas fans would have been staying with the status quo, staying conservative on offense. I don't mean by play calling, but I just mean by the concept of not trying out this new weapon. Um, if we had stayed with the Watson swoops regime through this season and gone six and six, there's a, there's a lot more pessimism. I think if you have Hurd in and he shows some development over the year and the team gets better, I, I'm amazed that you know Texas fans, even with all the Patterson turmoil and everything else, they still seem to be pretty squarely behind strong. Um, and I think that's what you got to do with this season. You got to say, freshmen, get out there. Now we're going to find out who's who's a man and who's not. The ones that aren't might decide they're never going to see the field again because we got another batch of puppies coming in next year. And hopefully, he's recruiting a batch that's just as hungry as this batch. And you know, we'll uh, build off of that and start trying to get a solid foundation in place. So I'm excited that you know I think uh, Vance Bedford mentioned that he had something like seven freshmen out there at a time at one point on defense. Bring it on, I say. Let's see what we've got, and then let's build recruiting around what we need going into next year. Yeah, at one point there in the second half, there was um, uh, Holton Hill was at one corner. Chris Boyd was out there. I mean, yeah, there was. There was either there was seven, eight fresh red uh, true freshmen, redshirt freshmen uh, on the field at one time. So, I mean, yeah, the youth men. I think it's every week you're going to see more and more um, youth, um, you know, playing. I, I think. It's, you know, it is, it's very obvious that Strong does not like the upperclassmen or the leftovers from the previous regime. And, and I think you're going to see some more guys uh, leave in December, which is good because we'll be able to take another full class. I think he's, I think he's 25, 26, 28 players, um, uh, you know, away from, from, you know, having a good core 50, 60 of his guys and, can, and really start to, uh, to see some positive movement um, in 2016. But back to what you said, eight and four. Man, if we go eight and four, I'll be celebrating. That'll be, I mean, with the, with you know, changing your quarterback and 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 starting the, the the freshman that we have. Man, if this team was to go eight and four, that would just be deemed an off the chart successful. I, I mean, you you couldn't help but be giddy for 2016 or 17 if we did that. Oh so, yeah. Well, and I was I, mean, I was really yeah. thinking, you know, at the at the beginning of the year, even before we rolled out in the South yeah. End and gotten flattened, you know, I mean. Anybody that thought anything more than eight and four was poking crack, you know. So, and Texas fans don't accept eight and four, right? So, if you're a Texas fan, you say, well, "Would you rather go eight and four and keep status quo and have a bunch of guys on the bench you don't know about going into next year, which is going to be a you know a nut cutting year for Strong's program, or do you go six and six or seven and five or God forbid worse?" But you get these guys a year full of experience, and I, and I we'll get into it when we get to the predictions, but. 
you know, buckle up, man. This is going to be a roller coaster ride. It is not going to be a steady progression to excellence. But to me, it's fun because the pressure is off a little bit. If you're playing this many freshmen, you're just saying, screw it, man. We are all about building experience and finding out, you know, who the alpha males are in this recruiting class. Well, yeah, before the season, you know, I was assuming Swoops was going to be the guy. Um, I was anywhere from four and eight to, to six and six and six. I just was not confident. Uh, and then maybe if we got lucky, seven and five. And then I, then I said, well, if Hurd eventually takes over and can get the offense moving, I was anywhere from six and six to seven and five, with us maybe being able to pull one upset somewhere and get to eight and four. But um, you know, at this point, like you said, with the freshman. A redshirt freshman playing quarterback just had his first full start. I mean, seven and five would almost have to be a success. And then if we win our bowl game to go eight and five, I, I still think that would. I mean, that would be huge. Um, so, like you said, right. we're going to have a lot of highs and a lot of lows uh, the next um, eight or nine, ten weeks. But um, I am really going to enjoy watching the progression of these young players because um, they've taken over the team and it's their team now. And, and all we can do is sit and, and watch the ride and. You know, hopefully in three or four years down the road, when they're juniors and seniors, um, um, we're going to get to really watch the fruit of their of, of, of their labor. And I, I got a feeling that they're going to get a they're going to get the last laugh of a lot of people. Um, I'm sure they've created their list too for people they're going to remind um, uh, as well. So uh, well, they, they, Mike, they definitely our, play with the chip. Go yeah, ahead. Our 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 visitor from Cal, you know, brought it up about how the same. It, it, sounded like us you know the first year mm-hmm. under dykes they had a bunch of freshmen play i looked it up they gave up 551 points on defense in 12 games in 2013 and think about how awful that is i mean that is they were a, yeah. they were a gambler's wet dream last in 2013 because you knew they weren't covering a spread because their defense was going to give up basically 40 or 50 points a game you know you knew that before the ball was kicked off now that same defense, you know, with different parts that have come in and guys that have come in and developed and JUCOs and that kind of stuff, you know, they have a they have a legitimate defense now. I'm not saying they're, you know, I, I agree with you that they've got holes, but they've come a long way. And, you know, I think Texas fans can look at the Cal team that rolls out there uh, this Saturday and say, you know, that was the same team two years ago that couldn't stop, you know, a, a soft breeze. And now, you know, look at these guys after two years. So I think that's what we, we should get excited about is watching these guys develop and finding, you know, who's going to really be the superstar, who's going to be the worker bees, and then hopefully start seeing results kind of like our friends out in Berkeley. Well, I want to say before we get into Patterson and then we'll break down um, our game a few minutes and we'll make a few other predictions and our prediction, I just want everybody to know that I absolutely hate baseball. So that's all I want to say about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey Mike, they, the Astros have cut it to nine to one, so they are, yeah, they are they're storming that. back. Thank, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm just about to kick a hole in my sheetrock here in the office. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're just my boy. I tell you what, I guess I shouldn't be too frustrated because they're actually further along than I thought they were. I, I thought we'd lose another seventy. You know, you know, maybe get to five hundred this year, but hell, we may still be at five hundred. We may not win another game the way it looks. We're just we're just not a very good baseball team right now. It is what it is. We'll see how. We'll see what kind of heart they have over the last um, 14. Well, let's get into Patterson. Um, I, I, I've been saying for some time that, that I didn't think he was going to make another year, and then I started thinking he may not make the season. Uh, man, he didn't make the season. I mean, Finvis, uh, apparently um, from all the reports, um, he met with um, Strong and Smart, um, I guess, several a week or so ago. They had some serious concerns about some things. 
Um, obviously, he's been getting flooded with complaints from, from everybody involved with UT. Uh, apparently, Finvis then meets with Strong and Smart on Sunday. Um, basically, tells them that that, um, that he's pulling the plug on Patterson, um, and then you know had a conference call Monday night with the, I guess the Board of Regents, and apparently, um, big um, big money guys showed up or um, checks started showing up on Finvis's desk Monday um, to to get the buyout. So it, it was a wrap once everybody stepped up and said it was done. So. Um, Basically, um, you know, I guess the ultimatum was given to to Patterson. You either, you know, accept our, our severance, your buyout, or we're going to fire you with calls. Obviously, the official word was he resigned. We all know how that goes. Resigned, yeah, whatever. Um, Patterson is out, a new era. Looks like the uh, Mike Green, uh, former letterman from the 60s, played for Darrell Royal. A um, lot of character. Um I was impressed with his press conference today. He definitely said he was 100% behind Strong, and obviously Smart ain't coached a game yet. So, you know, so, you know, so I, I think that's good because I am hearing reports already that the negative recruiting is already starting, that, hey, why do you want to go play for Strong? He's probably not going to last um, the season. So, I, you know, um, we really need to, to – that, that really needed to be said because coaches are going to use that um, uh, against Strong in recruiting. So, uh, I think Perrine is going to bring some stability. I kind of like the idea, actually, that they signed him for a year and they're going to take this process slow um, I, I, you know, and really, I guess, vet the candidates and see. I guess it doesn't matter if they find somebody in three months or whatever. You know, Perrine would probably stay on and help the transition. But I think what Mike's going to be able to do is he's, able, he's going to be able to get out there and heal a lot of these wounds and, and, and bring the UT community back back to the table because right now everybody, the BBs are out of the box in more ways than none. So it was a move that needed to be made. Um, you know, I mean, we can rehash Patterson over and over. He was not a people person. He was aloof. Um, you know, he just did not connect with people. And Finvis saw it and didn't want to start his regime under this cloud of, of issues. And like he said, that there was more damage to, that could be done continuing down this road, so he pulled the trigger. So I guess, um, you know, I'm a little disappointed because I was just about to sell two more tickets to get my new boat, so now I guess I'll hang on to them for at least another <laughs> year. Um, but I guess, Matt, what are your thoughts on, on the 22-month the Patterson era coming to an end? Well, uh, it, it had to happen, number one, um, in what, three decades of being a Texas fan and then student and then alum. Uh, I've seen when DeLostad's got a lot of grief from the fan base, but that was tied mostly to continuously poor performance from our football program and possibly, you know, the rise of the Aggies in the 80s and early 90s. So, you know, we forget as, as big as DeLoss got towards the end of his regime, I mean, he was on the brink of being canned, um, well, at least in the fans' mind many times. Maybe one of the smartest decisions going back and looking back on it is that they didn't can him. They kept with him, uh, and then things really took hold. But this had to happen. Uh, I don't remember, you know, anything. Look, Texas fans love their school, love their team, but we don't agree about a whole lot. We always argue about who should be the quarterback. We argue about which coach should go and which should stay and which offensive coordinator sucks and who's a genius that we should go get. But I had no arguments from anybody about their thoughts on Patterson. It was 100% universal disdain, which 
is amazing when you think about all the people that are involved in this school and in, in, in the athletic program. Um, you know, I'll be honest, for a while as this started to drag on a little bit, I started to wonder what happened to my university because I don't feel that Patterson represented anything of what Texas has been about for decades. Even though he has a degree from the school, I felt like he, he felt like a complete outsider. And once some of these, you know, disturbing stories about being, you know, treating donor, donors and treating ticket holders and just generally treating the fans as a commodity or, you know, customers, uh, as that started to fester, I wondered, you know, is what's happening to the school? I mean, is this guy going to actually be allowed to thrive in this, you know, in this? And what does it say about our, our university? Because, you know, we've had a lot of changes at the very top with powers leaving and, and changes in all of the leadership positions. So I was really concerned. I feel like the move that was made this week and bringing in, you know, somebody, a letterman from back in the day, uh, at least as a temporary AD, it felt like finally somebody stepped up and said, this is not what the University of Texas is about. Uh, and, you know, we'll find somebody, I think, by, and I agree with you, I love the waiting a year, taking our time. There's no reason to hurry it now because ADs are busy during football season. You want to get the best guy, and you want to find a guy even if he doesn't have ties to the University of Texas, that is in line with this school, what with what this school is about, uh, and I think that's you know going back and rebuilding these damaged relationships with the not just the big donors, but just the fan base, uh, and not treating us like a pro sports franchise. I mean, looking, I think as time goes on, we will just look at this as a a business case for universities of how not to hire an AD. I mean, yes. College sports is very professionalized now. It makes you know jillions of dollars, but you you know if you're if you're Mark Cuban, yes, you've got some aunts and uncles that have some you know money and have lower bowl season tickets, but you got a lot of corporate customers, right? And so you can do things with those guys that are a little bit different because it's a pro sports franchise. You cannot take that same model and apply it to alums because they have a bond with the school and a bond with these sports teams that is completely different. Uh, than living in the same town as, you know, Dirk Nowitzki or whatever. Uh, it's, it goes way deeper than that, and that's the thing I think Patterson just totally whiffed on. Um, you know, it, it's hilarious. I guess my last comment I'll make is to read the national media's comments about why this happened. It just shows that these guys have no idea what they're talking about about 95% of the time. This had nothing to do with Charlie Strong's performance. This had nothing to do with the Notre Dame game. This was, I honestly think that Patterson would have gotten fired even if we had beaten Notre Dame and beaten Rice by 100. I think Texas fans would have been happy about the game, but they still would have been pissed about Patterson. So this is, I don't think Strong's in any trouble. I think it's ridiculous to assume otherwise. Um, obviously, Shaka Smart's not in trouble because he hasn't coached the game yet. Um, but I think that it's, I don't know about you, Mike, but it's breathe new life into just this football season. It feels like that kind of cloud is gone. And I'll be very interested to see what the atmosphere is like in Austin Saturday. I feel like people are going to be kind of fired up just from the fact that this cloud of Patterson and all the bitching and moaning about how we've been treated is now gone. Now we can just focus on having fun again. Yeah, and, and you know, had, had some questions on, on Twitter, and I, I'm going to answer them here in a second. Yeah, I, I think atten attendance is going to be better and I wouldn't be surprised at some people that dropped their tickets or, you know, or maybe thought about not even coming this week or are headed back in. Um, but, yeah, but basically Patterson um, 
where what it boiled down to is is he lost all support from the Dallas group, the the BMDs up in Dallas, and then ultimately the the, the final nail was um, when when Finva started getting calls from not only the football coaches, the basketball coaches, but coaches all within the the, the various sports, and, and realized that that Patterson had lost the support of the coaches, and you just could not continue down that toxic road. And I, I don't know, you know, but I, I don't. I'm just speculating now, but I, I'm convinced that that not only the football and basketball coach, obviously the two most high profile. But, I mean, you know, the volleyball team has been pretty successful. I'm sure Elliot probably was not happy with some things. And I'm sure some coaches threatened, hey, well, i tell you what then. Um, he may be here, but I don't have to. And I, I, I have a feeling. I don't know who did it, but I bet, he, I bet Finvis got some, 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 you know, some ultimatums. Well, you keep him. You're not, you're gonna, you, I'm not going to be here next year. And, obviously, I, the, the word is the Dallas, the big Dallas group, Basically said, well, we're we're not we're not donating any more money till Patterson's gone, and so that that they they they'd had enough. And once that, and then obviously you throw in the everyday people like you, like you said, it's hard to get all of Texas unified. But one thing everybody was pretty damn unified in was dumping uh, <laughs> dumping Patterson. So, like you said, we can't come together on many things. But I think you're everybody that I talked to. Um, was right on the on the page. So before we run out of Mike, time, it, Mike, hold on, real, real quick, one yeah, last go ahead, thing. Go ahead. I, I, one thing I forgot to say. So I think if you go back to our show when Patterson was hired, I don't remember our exact conversation, but I think a lot of the thing we talked about was cleaning up Belmont, which we all assume is a bloated state organization, basically that has way too many people and is disorganized and way too many people making way too much money. And we said that the one thing about Patterson, you know, is that he's going to cut cut that. There was no fat cut. The only people that left left UT were guys like Bianco, who were the most talented people in the entire department, and they were replaced by additional layers of management. And, you know, if you're going to be a leader, you have to create an atmosphere of success, and you have to have high expectations, and then you have to get the hell out of the way. And I feel like Patterson did the complete opposite of that in every step. So I totally uh, believe that the coaches, once they had a voice or a a sounding board, somebody that was able to listen to them in confidence and let them rant and rave, I think Fendis was probably shocked by what he heard, probably by Strong, from Strong, Smart, and I would say probably any of the other coaches. Uh, Because it just felt like what we were doing was tightening our belt in, in one hand and then adding more bloat in the other. And then, you know, just throwing more hurdles to our coaches, making it harder for them to succeed. And these guys are talented. You know, other than Augie, who just because of his age isn't going to probably go anywhere, all these guys could go to many other schools and make just as much money. And I think if Fenda started to see those people with a wandering eye, he knew he had to do something right away, regardless of the fans and everything else. If we start losing coaches, I mean, you don't recover from that for a long time. Yeah, and it, I, I remember, you know, real quick before we move on, uh, several weeks ago, you know, uh, or it may have been about a month ago, um, Patterson wanted to move the, the, the tutoring facilities for the football team further away from um, from where their locker room and things were, and, and, and Strong was just adamantly opposed to it. And, you know, the reports were they were kind of going back, at, back and forth, and eventually, you know, Strong didn't have much capital, but obviously he put his foot down, and I'm sure he called Finvis and whoever, and you know I'm sure, and and and, and you know Strong ended up 
ultimately winning that debate. So I, I think if you look back now, there was a lot of signs that there was a lot more tension, not only between Strong and Patterson, but the other coaches. And like you said, Ben just could not, um, you know, let this continue and potentially lose um, um, coaches and start off. So like you said, there was too far much potential damage could be done. Uh, and, and, you know, and Patterson's going to be fine. He's made millions of dollars. He'll go work for some pro team and, and that and that's where he needs to be. He doesn't need to be a college athletics, um, you know, in college athletics. It's just not his, not his stick. So, um, but let me give three quick keys to to the Cal game. Um, in my opinion, if we're going to pull off the win, and this will answer basically everybody's question. I do think that the offense is going to is going to play better, and I do think the defense is going to improve. First on the um, overall point number one is we've got to get off the field on third down. We've got to keep the, the offensive conversion rate at about 35%. If we can keep Cal at 35%, I think we're going to be in good shape. I think we need to create at least two turnovers. Um, the defense has got to create at least two turnovers. Our offense needs to not have any zeros, zero turnovers, and then we've got to win the kicking game. If we can score on um, a kickoff return, punt return, or block a punt, or something like that, I think we'll be in good shape. I think if we do that, um, I think we're going to be in position to, to to win the game in the fourth quarter. If we have a turnover, uh, we're not getting off the field in third down. Um, I think we're going to still move the ball, but I just don't think – I think Cal's defense will get more stops than we will, and I could see this thing getting a 45 to 30 or something like our, our guest said. So um, for us to, to keep us in the game – uh, we're going to have to get off get off the field and create turnovers and not create turnovers and score on special teams. Um, with that said, uh, I think the team is is, is improving. I'm, I'm seeing it in small increments. Uh, I really don't know what to think of Cal. Cal should come in and beat us. I think they have a really good quarterback. Um, but I don't think they're, they've seen the speed that we're going to put on. I really think their defense is is, is still – not where they think it is. I really think we're going to be able to attack that. And somehow I just think the true freshman, we're going to be able to muscle up their receivers. Uh, I'm going to go with somewhat my heart pick this week, but I think we're going to – I think Hurd is, is going to start to become the legend that we wanted to be this week. We're going to be down 30-28 um, 30, um, late in the fourth quarter. Hurd's going to bust a run. We're going to line up and kick a field goal, and we're going to win this thing 31-30. That's my pick for the game. Matt. Ooh. Oh, good. Go see the heart doctor before this game then. Uh, yeah, I mean, my thing is, like I mentioned before, I don't think this is a, a straight pass to getting back to 10 wins and top 10 finishes. I think we're going to have some bumps in the road. I'll start with the positives first. Uh, I think that it's a good thing now that we've played Notre Dame at South Bend, as much as pain as that was. Uh, we are definitely the best team Cal has played so far this year. Uh, they are not the best team we've played this year. So that's a big benefit for us. Uh, you know, it's a first road game. Uh, you can always have some issues when you do that in, in college football, uh, which makes me a little hesitant about that point spread. Uh, but I, I just feel like, again, it's not a great matchup for us just because Cal does have that experience on offense. I agree with you. We've got to force turnovers, but I think that's going to be difficult to do. And until I see this defensive line make some plays. I just I, that's what fills me with some that scares me to death, Mike, is what I should say. Uh just to think about this defensive line through the rest of the year. Unless they decide to start uh you know, 
stepping up and, and making some plays. Um, I, I've got it 34 to 21, Cal. I think that it's going to be a game. I think the crowd's going to be fired up just with all the other stuff that's gone on around the campus this week. And that's a chance as well. I mean, uh, I, I, I had the phone on mute, but I, I laughed, I guess, when our guest, you know, mentioned how great our atmosphere is. Uh, I know it is a great city and a great atmosphere before the game, but as we all know, our fans are notoriously uh, pretty quiet. But Cal does have some of those demons in their backs. You know, they've, they've lost a lot of these kind of games that they're supposed to win. Um, and I think you can get in their heads a little bit. If we can make some fluky plays happen early and really get the crowd roaring, uh, I think there could be some magic. But, you know, even if that happens, it doesn't necessarily mean, again, like we're going to stay on the straight line. Uh, to me, I think we hit a bump in the road this week and next week against Oklahoma State. I'll just give it away now. I think we got that game. All righty. Well, let's pick a few others that I really want to get to because I think there is some pretty good matchups. Um, Louisville is is um, ten point dog to to Clemson. Um, you know, I, Clemson is Clemson. A lot of people still think they're going to the playoffs. I don't know. We'll see if Clemson pulls a Clemson in the year. Man, Louisville is zero and two, and and, and very well could be two and zero. But unfortunately, I think they're going to be three zero um, and three. Uh, I think Clemson gets them. I think it's going to be thirty eight. I'm going to say 38-24, Clemson. Uh, Louisville will go 0-3, and, and to make it worse, they'll lose on a game-winning field goal by Clemson. I'll say 30-27, to Clemson. A big SEC matchup, a couple of them. Auburn-LSU. Um, Auburn should have lost last week to Jacksonville State. They were, they were probably looking ahead to LSU. LSU went on the road, beat Mississippi State. LSU is a seven-point favorite. Um, this is going to be interesting. Auburn's offense is supposed to be high, everything, and, and they got slowed down last week by Jacksonville State. I think they're going to play better, but, you know, it's going to be tough to beat, beat Louisville. I mean, Louisville. LSU at home, I'm definitely going to take LSU, but I don't think they cover. I'm going to go 27-24 LSU. Um, we're almost right there with you. I've got 24-20 LSU. And then Ole Miss-Alabama. That's going to be another good matchup. Um, Ole Miss' is, is offense is rolling. They haven't played nobody. I think they're averaging about 70 a game. Alabama is, is, you know, they just never look good in preseason. They beat teams 30 to 10 or whatever. But, you know, this is one of those games that, um, that, you know, they just seem to get up for. They've always had Ole Miss, you know, number. But I'm going to go with Ole Miss in this one. It's a seven-point game. I think it's going to be a little – I don't think um, um, Alabama's going to cover. I'm going to say Ole Miss mm, – I got a feeling this is going to be a little more high scored. I'm going to go Ole Miss 34, Alabama 30. Well, I've seen this movie before, and until the movie plot changes, I'm picking Alabama 34, Ole Miss 17 in a game that isn't even that close. And then there was one more. There was one more little game I wanted to look at here. Let me scroll down on my. Yeah. Are you keeping track of how we're doing, by the way? Uh, no, and not really. But I, I, I need to. It probably mirrors my Yahoo pick ones because I go pretty close to pretty close to that. Um, there was one other game I had wrote down. I don't know what the heck I did with it. 
well, oh, well. oh Texas Tech and Arkansas. I thought oh, that was okay. uh, I, I thought that was intriguing. I don't know what to think of Tech. I mean, I, I think I actually think they're improved, and I'm surprised that Arkansas is only a ten and a half favor, even though they did lose to Toledo. Um, I just don't know if Tech is going to have the horses up front to contain the the, the Arkansas run game, but um, I think this is going to be closer than what people think. I, I mean, I, I'm man, when you lose to Toledo, you've got you've got problems. I mean, I just don't. I mean. It's going to be interesting to see how Arkansas progresses. Like, I mean, a lot of people had them maybe potentially competing in the SEC. They may be back at six and six, uh, but I, I think this game is going to be closer than what people think. But I'm still going to pick Arkansas. I'm going to go 34-30 Arkansas. Yeah, Brett Bielema is a fat turd, and I hate him. But uh, yeah, I think if you're Texas Tech, you just look at that Toledo result and you're like, dude, really? I mean. Maybe now we think we could have snuck in there and stolen one, but after they lost to Toledo, they're going to be pissed off. So I, yeah. I don't think – I think Arkansas got exposed last week, but I think they'll be really focused and angry. Uh, so I like them to win 37-20, to 20, um, but they've got some more losses coming, and I'll enjoy every one of them. Every single one of them, absolutely. Yeah, that was that was that was amazing, and I mean, we we obviously watched the end of the Auburn Jacksonville State game. I mean, Jacksonville State had them about on the ropes as you can you can you can be. So um, it, you know, but it's it's going to be interesting to, to play out because right now, um, you know, I think you've got about seven or eight teams that are that are all just completely packed together. I mean, you have to put Alabama in there. Even Auburn, they didn't look they didn't look great, you know, last week. I still think they're gonna be in the hunt. Oregon, you gotta kinda you know, even though they lost last week, Michigan State, Ohio State. I mean, there's no one team that is just showing that they're just head and heels over. I mean, you know, the last eight or nine years we've had that one team. I think I think Ohio State is is a realm above everybody else, but I don't think they're just that much better. I think they could be beat on any given day as well. So um, I think this college football season is going to be really fun, and I, I would not be surprised if everybody going into the playoffs has at least one loss. Um, TCU, I think, has the best opportunity if their defense um, plays better and they don't keep losing people, um, has a chance to go um, undefeated because I just don't know who's going to challenge them in the in the in the Big Twelve at this point. I just don't. I, I don't think Oklahoma's there. I think Baylor is 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 not going to. I'm not sold on Baylor yet either. So it's just going to be a fun season to watch. Absolutely. And it just shows that, I mean, who had Jacksonville State coming down to the wire on the Auburn? I mean, that's what that's what makes college football awesome. Is we, we think we watch a lot of football and we know everything. And there are always surprises almost every single week that none of us see coming. Um, and that's what makes it fun. Well, with that said, that's a good hour and ten. We only went over a few minutes, so that ain't too bad. So uh, we'll be back next Wednesday. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to, obviously, um, the best wing place in Austin, the best wing place in Texas, and probably the best wing state or the wing in place in the United States. That is Plucker's Wing Bar out of Austin. Um, they are really hooking up the UT Tailgaters crew this week with a bunch of wings, so we're excited about that. Uh, we're excited to have our good friend Matt Deaton coming out and, and providing live music. So uh, it'll be rocking pretty good on San Jacinto and Dean Keaton um, all day Saturday. So we're looking forward to that. 
Um, so um, I'm going to predict now that I bet we have more show up to the game. Like you said, I think I think there's going to be some extra excitement in the air um, just because of, of, of what went on. Um, people are going to going to be more willing to show up and support the team. So let's get DKR rocking, and um, you know you know we've got a good opponent coming in. There's no reason for for it to not be loud in there and um, and, and have an exciting atmosphere because. Um, you know the team's going to make some mistakes, but I mean we can't we can't never um, be upset at the effort that these um, true freshmen are, are are giving. I mean they're 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 playing full speed every play, so um, you've got to be excited about that. So with that said, Matt, tell the listeners where they can find you. Sure thing, you can find me at UT Tailgaters. No spaces, no hyphens. If you're coming out Saturday, the high will be 97. So bring a bag of ice, please. Yeah, that's going to be, you know, it's funny you said that. I was going to say, if you're coming by the tailgate, um, admission price is at least one or two bags of ice. Um, yeah, I saw that high on um, 97. Um, um, yeah, we're definitely, um, I'm definitely going to be bringing my fan again because that makes a big difference. But we'll have a lot of, we'll have all the college games on out there. Um, definitely bring ice. There's lots, oh, we want to thank the Coors Light people too. They, they, they yeah. take care of us as well. But um, everybody come on out. It should be a great time. We'll see you next Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Um, and Big 12 play is upon us, so we'll probably um, get Robert Wetzel on from the Cowboy Rides free site, talk a few minutes um, about Oklahoma State next week. But my, Matt already stepped out there and said we're going to beat them. Hell, I may make my prediction too. I feel like regardless of what happens against Cal, we're going to beat um, Oklahoma State at home. And it'll be a 2.30 kickoff, so it'll be, a, it'll be a hot son of a gun in DKR next Saturday. But let's get the win. Beat Cal, let's get the two and one, and let's support the kids and strong. So with that said, always remember, the eyes of Texas are upon you. Hook them horns, and we will see y'all next week. Injected with a